ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. All three in favour of the unanimous decision winner and he is still... undefeated in his pro boxing career 24 and 0 over the weekend he claimed his 24th victory over american brian mendoza and despite another win under his belt and successfully retaining the super welterweight world title the aussie isn't resting on his laurels he's the son of a gun but this sue is carving out his own path and it's taking him straight to vegas where there's another american in the firing line this time it's jamel charlo Will Charlo take up the challenge and how far can Zoo go? I'm Poppy Penny and this is ABC Sport Daily. Corbin Middlemass was covering the bout for ABC Sport and Corb Tim Zhu was in the zone as he won his fight on the weekend against Brian Mendoza, defending the WBO super welterweight world title. How did he get it done? Well, it's really, he went through the gears, I think, yesterday. Poppy had started out where he was really respectful of Mendoza's power, particularly in the early couple of rounds, and he was able to pile up some early rounds on the scorecards really behind his jab. Nice. Is that good punch to throw right there? That's, that straight jab to the body right there, huh? And that was how he was able to set the tone for the fight, judge distance, get an idea on, on sort of where he stood in the ring. And then really that was the middle rounds where he, he put his foot on the gas and round seven in particular, which was the same round where Mendoza scored a shock stoppage victory against Sebastian Fandora, who's another top super welterweight in his previous fight. It was that round, in fact, where Zhu was piling on the punishment. He hit him twice with some clean uppercuts, one which really had Mendoza on inline skates, and he was lucky to make it out of the round. And then in round 10, the onslaught really continued. Good stuff from Zhu. He senses a moment here, Tim Zhu. Mendoza trying to hang on. The latter stages of that round where... I think most sort of boxing observers felt like Mendoza was saved by the bell somewhat. He was almost out of there, probably got hit by a dozen clean shots before the end of the round. And I think most people that were watching thought, look, if that had gone another 20 seconds longer or so, that the zoo would have been able to bring about a premature finish. 10 seconds left in the round, Mendoza in big trouble. Right hand zoo. Instead, uh, Mendoza made it through to the final bell. He was a really game, plucky opponent. But what it highlighted more than anything is how world-class Tim Zhu is, and he is on top of his game at the moment. And what a fantastic 2023 he's had. So he could have really taken a hideout from everybody else and the other top guys in the division, waited for his super fight with Charlo, which was owed to him. Instead of doing that, he decided to risk it all put everything on the line against some other, you know, live wire opponents. So he scores wins against Harrison, Acampo, and then now Mendoza here, who are, you know, three of the top 10 best super welterweights in the world. And you can probably make a, a pretty good case right now that the best super welterweight of them all is uh, is the Australian in Tim Zoo. The zoo we saw on the weekend was one of control and of patience. You touch on the fact that he went the full 12 rounds. Is this a development in who he is as a fighter? Uh, I think so. I mean, his demeanour was something that stood out to me as well, particularly just how calm he was and probably how quickly he moved on post-fight. So 
I think most of us that sort of love the fight game and have watched it for a long time, it felt a little bit like this was another step up again. So we had Harrison and Acampo. So Harrison was like the journeyman. Acampo is another sort of live wire opponent. And then Mendoza, who was, oh, this is the first genuine knockout artist that he's faced. He'd scored, you know, three knockouts in his last three fights since his previous defeat. The last two in particular as a significant underdog. So again, Mendoza comes to town playing the role of the underdog again. He's got power in his right hand, which can you know, bring an early conclusion to a fight, as we've seen so often in the past. And yet Zhu just sort of handled it with ease. And then afterwards, immediately turned his focus towards Jamel Charlo, almost as if, look, this is just a stepping stone on the way to where I want to get to, rather than the best sort of opponent that is available at this time and representing a tricky challenge. He wouldn't even say that Mendoza was the best opponent that he's ever fought. I think there's been a few. Like every, every fighter, a lot of different fighters are tough. Um, Wade Ryan, early in my career, he was very tough. Inouye took some punishment from him. Inouye, man. Oh, bro. You should have seen him the morning after the fight. So it felt to me like it was the best credentialed opponent that he'd had. And the performance was outstanding from Tim Zhu, in which he put it all on display. I mean, I mentioned the jab early in the fight. It was his left hook and his counter left hook that was a feature throughout the middle rounds. The uppercut almost got him out of there in round seven. So. Oh, there's an uppercut. He really showed us the whole bag, Tim Zhu, and never took a backward step. So you touch on the Jamel Charlo sort of stout that they're having. Jamel Charlo's been vocal that Zhu, he reckons he's a paper champion, despite, you know, Tim trying to get in the ring with him for some time. Is there a sense that Zhu is still not being taken seriously by the boxing world? Well, I think so at the very top level. So basically sort of boxing really works in levels, as Mick Mills likes to say. It sort of feels like the very top guys of which, you know, Jamel Charlo considers himself in that bracket are sort of different gravy when it comes to the money that's obviously on offer. And then you have the next tier of opponents. And obviously this is all what boxing is. So people sort of struggle to get their head around it and the belts confuse a lot of people. Essentially what boxing is, Poppy, is it's the fight game and it's prize fighting. So you fight for the biggest prize possible. And the belts really in boxing are a promotional tool to be able to help add a little bit of sparkle to your event, to basically say, oh, it's a world title fight. But there are four world champions in any one division. So Zhu holds one of the four belts. The other three are held by Jamel Charlo. So Charlo believes he's not only fighting to defend the belts and be the best guy in the division, but he's also fighting for the biggest prize possible and the, the most money that he can make out of stepping into the ring. So that's why recently we saw Charlo yeah, miss the Zoo fight with a broken hand. Instead of taking that at the next possible opportunity, he was offered the chance to fight Canelo Alvarez. So he moved up in weight, two divisions, went from junior middleweight to super middleweight, Fort Canelo was significantly outclassed, but probably got the biggest payday in his career. So now he comes back down and he's probably fighting a guy in his own weight class in Tim Zhu, who is a dangerous opponent, who you don't want to fight unless you have to, for much less money. So he essentially stands a chance to lose his belts and everything that comes with that and the glory of being the champion at 154 pounds. He fights a guy who might take all of that from him and not get the same kind of payday for it. So that's why there's some hesitation on Charlo's part. Yeah, well, he was in that tough spot because I became mandatory. So he was able to sort of maneuver his way and make his little payday. If I got him out in January, that payday wouldn't have ever happened. His his career would have been done. Well, for Tim Zhu, he's clearly looking at one guy thinking, I've already cleaned out the rest of the division. I've showed what I've been capable of this year 
instead of having soft touches waiting for the champ, he's fought dangerous guys in the three opponents he's had in 2023, and now it's time for him to win all the gold. So he's doing everything he can to try and hunt Jamal Charlo and, and make sure he gets to be the undisputed champion in the super welterweight division. So as you say, he's made it pretty clear that Charlo is probably next on the hit list. It seems a trip to the US is on the cards for Zoo. When can we expect the two to finally face off? So Zoo said uh, he doesn't want to fight again until probably early in uh, in 2024. <laughs> well, look, I, I think it works out as a good date anyway. March is, is probably a good timeline yeah. anyway. So we'll we'll see what happens over the coming months. And yeah, that'll be glory, sick. Glory. Yeah, that'll be cool. It's not for me. It's more for the people, you know, to go over and watch the rugby. But to finish up on a on a boxing fight, that's that's a holiday right there for any sporting Aussie sporting fan. So I would imagine the first quarter of next year is the the next time that we'll see Tim Zhu in the ring. He does have relationships already in the United States, so Charlo's his dream opponent if he can he can get him in the ring. But if not, I wouldn't be surprised to see him fight somebody else over in the United States. And the the promotional team over there, PBC, which are headed up by Al Heyman, stands for Premier Boxing Champions. Basically, they have a whole lot of guys in and around the 154-pound division where Zoo resides available for him. So they would hope it's Charlo. They hope they'll be able to, to make that mega event. Charlo coming off the, the first loss of his pro career. Ladies and gentlemen, after 12 rounds of action, the judges are in agreement. We have a unanimous decision. And still, the undisputed super middleweight champion of the world, Saul Canelo. But if not, as Zoo sort of signalled yesterday, it looks like he will be fighting in the US for the foreseeable future. So I imagine we can see him in the first couple of months of, uh, of 2024. Zoo obviously comes from, you know, a good boxing pedigree. His father, of course, his brother is in the ring as well. But where does Tim Zoo sit in Australian boxing? Well, he's now got a title. So he's made it to the top of the domestic scene. So he's the biggest prize fighter or the biggest cash cow in Australian boxing comfortably at the moment and he holds a piece of the world title so as I mentioned earlier he's got one of the four belts so he's won a quarter of the prize in a super welterweight division so that certainly puts you among you know the, the very top guys in Australian boxing to get into that next room and the upper echelons of Australian boxing, he would want to sort of clean out the division and be the guy at 154 pounds. So that's why he's going after Charlo, and that's the real legacy fight for him. So if he can win that, win all the gold, and clean out the junior middleweight or super welterweight division, whatever you, you like to call it at 69 kilos, that'll really be the chance for him to take the next step. And that's something that his father did. I mean, looking back at Kostya's career down at junior welterweight at 140 pounds, and a lot of people consider him the best ever to have done it at that weight at junior welterweight. So that'll really be the next thing for Tim. And then thereafter, he is actually in and around the neighborhood where there are some really big fish in boxing. Errol Spence, for example, who calls himself the big fish coming off a defeat at welterweight to Terence Crawford. It's expected he will move up at some stage. If he does move up, all of a sudden he's in the same division as Tim Zhu. Mentioned Charlo, who Zoo's hoping to fight, just fought Canelo. So Canelo's in a division that's not too far north of Tim Zoo. That's the biggest possible fight that there is to make in boxing. But he is starting to, to forge his own name and clearly has proven a lot of people wrong 
I was a skeptic at the start thinking, you know, is this guy just a machine, a marketing tool that they've been able to push on the back of his, you know, father being one of the, the all-time great boxers and they've sort of carefully put him through his career to make sure he, he looks good. Uh, I think he's proven a lot of those skeptics wrong in what he's been able to do, particularly over the past two or three years, that this guy is for real. Uh, and he's coming to take on the world in the 154-pound division. Corbin Middlemass, it's very exciting for Tim Zoo. It's very exciting for boxing fans. Thanks so much for your time. Anytime. Thanks, Poppy. Headlines. We have seen the first big upset of the Cricket World Cup with Afghanistan beating England by 69 runs overnight. It snaps a 14-game losing streak for the Afghans and is only their second ever win in a World Cup. It leaves reigning champs England on one win from their three matches, which for them is not ideal. Australia will be looking to win their first match of the tournament tonight against Sri Lanka. You can hear that match live and ad-free on the ABC Listen app. How's that? Speaking of World Cups, the Rugby World Cup quarterfinals absolutely delivered over the weekend. Michael Checker and Los Pumas beat Wales to set up a meeting with the All Blacks, who overcame Ireland in a blockbuster. Meanwhile, England got over Fiji, only to next be faced with reigning champs South Africa in the semis. The Springboks knocked over host nation France by one solitary point. South Africa power on to the semi-final. French World Cup dreams are shattered. Soccer and the A-League women's launched over the weekend and there were attendance records smashed across the round. The F3 derby broke the record of a regular season standalone domestic women's football match with 5,735 people turning up. That record stood for a whopping few hours as over 11,000 people watched Sydney FC's 4-0 win over the Western Sydney Wanderers. Those first two games alone broke the attendance record for an entire round. That record had stood for nine years. And in netball, the Diamonds are in control of the Constellation Cup, having beaten the Silver Ferns by nine goals in Brisbane to take a 2-0 lead into the New Zealand leg of the series. I'm Poppy Penny and this is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Ronell Mower. Thanks to Main Event, Fox Sports and Stan Sport for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.